0: Good to see you guys, and hey, girls. Glad you ladies are here too. Welcome to E3. My name's Dan, and um, we're going to be continuing our journey through this, this series, What Do You Expect? And what we're doing is just kind of diving in deep into the book of Colossians, trying to find out, you know, God, what is what is your purpose? What would you speak to us here at E3 um, we really believe that God's word, the Bible, is something that is breathed by God. It's inspired by God. And it doesn't matter that you know, this particular section was written 2,000 years ago, it wants to speak to us today, now, in this moment. And having said that, um, I just I feel the need to, to just pray. And this is, this is a place of dependency for me at this moment. I'm, I'm depending on God to feed us this morning, to feed me, to feed you, um, that he would speak to us by his spirit. And I don't want to have any preconceived notions of that. I don't want anybody to think that, you know, I'm up here trying to, you know, hey, give me the little pat on the back. Come on, good job, Dan. I'm not not interested in in any of that. I I want you to experience the voice of God today. I believe that God wants to speak to you. And so I just want to get out of the way. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Lord, that you are the ever-present God, that there is no place that we can go or have gone, have been, that you are not. Lord, we are here because we want to hear words of life and words of truth. We're here because we see places in our lives. We are desperately in need of something. Some of us don't even know what that is. Some of us are wandering Lord, some of us, we know the strong name of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would have your way with us, that you would draw people to yourself, that you would glorify Jesus in this space today, and that you would fill your people with joy and hope and life. God, help us to be the body. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're diving in to Colossians, and um, we kicked it up last week, and, and Pastor Mark was talking about you know, the first chapter, really kind of um, looking at, at some preconceived notions um, uh, that were going on in the early church. And, and so he starts out, remember Pastor Mark was saying, hey, it's like a love sandwich, you know, so he had all the good stuff at the beginning. Hey, you guys are doing a great job. Keep, keep going with you know, that loving each other and, and, that, and that firm expectation that you have that, that God is going to show up in your lives. And he, and he starts pointing out some really good things that were going on in them. But where we got the, the title for the series, What Do You Expect, all comes out of like the chapter one, the verses um, four and five, that basically Paul just says to them Listen, ever since the day you guys believed, you are looking with confident hope towards God. You have the expectation that God is going to show up in your life. Good job. And so the question for each and every one of us, you know, is just like, oh, what do you expect? What did you expect when you when you got up this morning? What'd you expect when you showed up at, at E3 today? What did you expect? Expect to hear a a good teaching? Expect to, God, I need you to speak into my life today. Expect to show up and see some friends. Expect to, to pour out your heart in praise. Expect to get a good cup of coffee. whatever it is. I and mean, we all have these different ideas. And, and, but for each and every one of us, you know, whatever environment we, we go into, what Paul is going to try to communicate is that we were created for freedom. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. no matter what situation you walk into, no matter what environment. You are, you are faced with, that God is there. That freedom really has nothing to do with what's going on around you, but freedom has everything to do with whether you are in Christ or whether Christ is with you. It has everything to do with dwelling with Jesus. And kind of kicks off these verses. He's saying just... Just stick in that, just continue in that. And we're going to be looking at verse 24 in the first chapter all the way through the second chapter. We're going to run through. I'm going to try to keep the pace um, and and get us to the end there. Um, But in verse 24, basically what he says is he just kind of jumps into this space and just says, you know what? I am really glad that I get to suffer for you guys. That seems like a really weird thing to say. Most of us, you know, go about our lives, you know, we know suffering is a part of life. We try to deny suffering a foothold in our life as much as possible. We try to avoid conflict. We try to get away from the things that cause us pain. Paul isn't coming from this perspective of like, you know, masochism. You know, we, we know people in our, li- in our lives like that, you know, they like, they kind of thrive off the pain, you know. The guy that goes and runs 15 miles until his feet are bleeding, and he's like, yeah, feel the pain. Hoorah. And you're like, dude, you're sick. You need serious help. The, the people that, you know, well, well, pain can be a catalyst, right? I mean, pain, pain can motivate us. Pain, pain can, can move us into new spaces trying to get away from pain. But God said that's not freedom either. Freedom is, is, is acknowledging that the, the world is full of suffering, but then but that then the, the world, because of Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, now, now there's a way to, to overcome. There's a way to, to be free no matter what you've been through. And this is what Paul's going to experience as he's writing this letter from prison. Verse 24, he says, I'm glad when I suffer for you in my body, for I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me the responsibility of serving his church and proclaiming his entire message to you. Another translation I was reading, it put it a little differently. It says, I'm, I'm filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. And I'm like, Paul, there's, there's nothing lacking in the afflictions of Christ. What are, what are, you, what are you talking about? But really what it, what it means there is he's saying, I count it joy, When I get to partner with Jesus in how he suffered, why did Jesus go to the cross? The word's clear. It says, for the joy set before him, he endured it. And Paul's saying, hey, I get get the opportunity to partner in these sufferings. I get the opportunity to to proclaim this gospel, this, this good news, this story of God. And because of that, it really doesn't matter what I'm going through. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced, like, a peace that no matter what is going on around you, you're just like, this is good. God, I, I have a lasting peace. It's not a temporary peace. My peace doesn't depend on my, on my paycheck coming in. My peace doesn't depend on my girlfriend saying, I, I love you. I don't have a girlfriend. I'm married. My, my peace doesn't just want to clarify, you know. <clears throat> um. My peace does not depend upon me showing up at work and my boss liking me today, you know? But my peace, my freedom, my joy, my hope is in Jesus who never leaves me, who never forsakes me, who has not left me as an orphan wandering around in this world. But he is with me. And this is what he's about to say here. Verse 26, this message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people, for God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. Another translation, Christ in you, the hope of glory. This is the secret. Christ in you. I thought the secret was the 12 steps. I, I, I thought the secret was, 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 you know, complete self-denial. I thought the secret was, was being free from, you know, what other people put upon you as they speak into your life. I thought the secret was speaking positivity. No. no the, the secret is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sharing, God wants to share this glory. God wants us to dwell with Him, to abide with Him. Jesus is inside of us and alongside of us. This is, if we let this permeate into our minds and into our hearts, it will change and revolutionize the way that we look at every single situation in our life. It will re it will rebirth us that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Born again. I'm saved. I'm a follower of Christ. My mind is being renewed. Well, in this love sandwich, Paul, uh, you know, he's starting out with some of the good things, but but he's going to start doing some correction because freedom demands truth. And what's happening as as they're, you know, kind of living in Colossae is these different people are, are rising up. There's the Gnostics, Gnostics are very, you know, they're very kind of ethereal and, and they start turning and kind of twisting the truth of God and, and making it into something where, where they, they say things like, hey, all matter is evil. Everything that, everything that you can experience in the physical world is not by God's design. It's, it's evil. It's a device of the devil. It's demonic And they start making and extrapolating on this, saying, oh, Jesus wasn't even, he didn't even have a real body. He was a spirit. You got to be careful. You could just walk right through Jesus, come up and shake his hand and just spear him. You know, you didn't know what was going to happen. They started making up these kinds of things. It's like, what are you talking about? But the other side of that was, as they started going, well, you got to deny your flesh. you got to deny all of these things that were going on. They started making up all of these rules and started twisting and turning into this really, you know, just kind of brutal and extreme form of self-denial asceticism. Can't do this. You Can't do that. My religious piety is actually what's going to please God. That's what they thought. Paul says, no, no, don't, don't let these people come in and twist your thoughts. Don't, don't listen to this nonsense. Don't listen to this human understanding and this human thinking. He says, this is what we need to do. So we tell others about Christ. Verse 28, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom that God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in their relationship to Christ. That's why I work and struggle so hard depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. A lot of times we're interested in behavior modification. We find this out as parents, right? You know, we tell our kids, hey, you, stop hitting your sister, you know. Stop, get, your, get your brother out of the closet, you know. Like, don't, don't tie him up, you know. That's not how you use duct tape, you know. All of these kinds of things that we just start, you know, kind of like, don't, don't do that. We won't, just be, would you just be obedient, we find ourselves saying, you know. Would you just what we're really saying? Would you just make my life easy? Please. Would you stop causing me problems? Would you Thank God God does not do this to us. Because God is not interested in behavior modification. If we really want to train our children, then what we say is, what's going on in your heart that you are hating your brother right now? <laughs> what kind of evil is inside of you? Oh, wait, I know the answer to that question because you come from my DNA. (laughs) We see this in ourselves, right? Oftentimes our children reflect the very same things that we hate about ourselves. Well, I should know. Well, what do you expect? I should expect when I look at my children for them to be just as sinful as as I am. I should expect for them to have the same heart struggles and and the vying for affections, you know. My little boy loves stuff. You know, swords and guns and bows and arrows and movies and transformers. He, can I get that? I want to possess it. I want to own it. I want people to come over to my house and know that I own this. You do that with your flat screen. Oh, yeah. We, there's the same exact stuff, you know. It's a saying, and it possesses us. And Paul's saying, don't listen. Don't listen to this stuff. I want you to be perfect. Not in behavior. In your understanding. And I want you to have pure doctrine in in that your life is about Jesus. Pure doctrine that your life is flowing out of your love for Christ, not about your doctrine. You know those people that, you know, like, Oh, well, you know, let me tell you what really happened, you know. And here's the true thing about the Spirit. And here's, and here's when the rapture is going to happen. And here's what Jesus really meant by careful, careful. Why? Because God tells us in his word that God himself wants to teach every single one of us. God wants to give you manna for today. God wants to speak into your life. Jesus wants to indwell you if you will let him. He will let him. That's what Paul is getting ready to say in just a couple minutes. He says, I want you to know, chapter 2, how much I have agonized for you and for the church in Laodicea and for many other believers who have never met me personally. I want them to be encouraged and knit together by strong ties of love. I want them to have complete confidence that they understand God's mysterious plan, which is Christ himself. Here it is again. The secret, mysterious plan christ jesus in him lie all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge you want wisdom and knowledge jesus has everything the letters behind your name don't mean that you are wise they don't i know a lot of fools dr fool i know a lot of them why because there's no christ you can see it in their lives. Their relationships are trash. They don't love. You see it in the, in the, in the spiritual fruit. And Jesus says, I want to I come and I want to live in you. I want to dwell with you. I want to live through you. In him lie hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I'm telling you this so that no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and that your faith in Christ is strong. When Jesus is living with you, when Jesus is walking through you, living through you, then what happens is, is you begin to, to get that peace that surpasses understanding. You, you have this faith. You have this, this foundation. You, you have this rooting in Christ that no matter what happens, you're safe and you're secure. When my father died, I had people ask me, how are you doing? I said, I'm good because I know that my God is with me. I'm good because I know that that if God chooses to heal my dad, that's good. And he's able. And we'll see what happens. And if my dad dies, then God's good. And he's going to work all things together for good. It doesn't matter what the circumstances of my life are. Because it isn't about me and it isn't about some kind of temporary, self-satisfying form of coping. I'm not going to settle for that garbage. I want a firm foundation. I want the sand to be gone, and I want a firm footing underneath my feet. And so when my father died, I was able to say, God, guess what? You're a father to the fatherless. That's what I need right now. That's what you promised, God. I never needed you in this way before. God, come alongside of me. Help me. And it's about letting God have these spaces to move in our lives, to show up and be more than enough. We sing the song, but it's the daily choices that you and I have to make. Say, Jesus, is my life about you? verse 6, he says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots go down deep into him and let your lives be built on him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. There's a lot said with that one word, let. Let. Here's how Paul fights against the the asceticism and and, and this kind of knowledge-based faith. Here's how he fights against it. It's not about what you do. He doesn't say, go pray for four hours every day facing in this direction. He doesn't say, stop eating this. He doesn't say, alcohol is of the devil. No, he says you're free. He says you're free to worship God. All those things matter. It's not evil. It's amoral. You can do awesome things with money and you can do horrible things with money. You can do awesome things with your body, and you can do horrible things with your body. It's not what it's about. freedom. There's a lot said in this word, let. Because it isn't about the doing. It's about the getting out of the way. Christ, when I wake up this morning, my life about you, my life about me. I go to work is my life about my performance and my promotion and my pay or is it about sharing the love of God with every single person that I meet because God loves them we all have those people in our life you know like we know we're supposed to love them but we just really don't like them you know they're not likable and guess what that is your opportunity to suffer with gladness It's the same thing, your cubicle might be your prison, you know, probably about the same size of what Paul spent his days and nights in, probably about the same size, But, but you don't have to suffer for no reason. You can suffer as ministry. You can suffer with gladness. You can suffer knowing that I am right here today, Monday morning. I don't have the Monday morning blues. I show up not as some kind of motivation, some kind of inspiration. Jesus is with me. Who am I gonna bless today? Who am I gonna love today? How am I going to reflect the light of Christ to this manager who is out to get me? Is that possible? No, it's impossible. Unless Christ in you the hope of glory. This is what Jesus is inviting us into. This is what Paul is saying. You gotta let it happen. Let those roots grow down. Stop coping. Stop distracting yourself with toys. Stop spending your resources in ways that temporarily appease the pain. And let your roots grow down deep. Get us a firm foundation. He says some pretty interesting words here. in The next little section of verse 8, he says, Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world rather rather than from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ who is the head over every ruler and authority. Don't let let yourself get captured with that, that philosophy, that nonsense. You just need to follow your heart. People tell me that all the time. I say, my heart's lied to me. Your heart's never lied to you? Wake up. Wake up, please. Don't don't repeat the insanity of listening to a liar. Follow the truth. Don't don't listen to the the insanity that your value or life actually starts when you graduate. Some of the greatest voices of God in this word. Fifteen year old boys. Teenagers, young men, just said, I'll let God. I will let God. Young women like J.L. and Deborah who said, I'll let God. People who said, I'm not going to be interested in in, in the bureaucracy. I'm not going to put my hope in government. I'm not going to jump through the hoops because I have a Lord and a Savior, Jesus Christ, who is with me. And my government rests on his shoulders. Don't listen to this empty philosophy and high-sounding nonsense. He says, When you came to Christ, you were circumcised, but not by a physical procedure. Christ performed a spiritual circumcision, the cutting away of our sinful nature. For you were buried with Christ when you were baptized, and with him you were raised to a new life because you trusted the mighty power of God who raised Christ from the dead. I'm going to start thinking about this. Joy just starts... Joy just starts welling up. Freedom starts welling up. You mean I don't have to do all that? My future is not in my boss's hands or that professor's hands or my parents' hands. There's freedom in that I can come to Christ and, and, and serve Him and love Him and be obedient to Him. I can let Him have His way in my life and I can experience joy. Yeah. I can please God might be a revolutionary thought for you. It was for me. I encountered it in in John chapter 3 when when Jesus went and got baptized and 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 he and he said that he did it to fulfill all righteousness. He just he let God have his way in his life. He wasn't unrighteous. He didn't have to do it but he let God lead him right there and he and he dunked in the Jordan and as he comes up out of the water, the the door of heaven kicks open and the voice of God says, that's my boy. I am so happy with him right now. Romans puts it this way, you know, present yourself to God as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, pleasing unto God. When was the last time you thought about yourself in your mind's eye, or looked in your own eyes in the mirror and said, God is so happy with me. When was the last time that you, that you listened to him and let him speak? You are my beloved. I am pleased with you. That's my boy. That's my girl. When was the last time that you, that you suffered with gladness and, and you served your persecutor? You blessed those who persecuted you and you prayed for those who spitefully used you and you walked away from that going, Oh man, I know I just put a smile on daddy's face. Because that is the life that God wants us to live and breathe and move in. It's so gracious. It's so free. It doesn't matter if somebody else is having a bad day, their bad day does not have to affect me. I can be free. But a lot of times that isn't our reality. But we have been raised to new life. And I hope, that you, I hope that you get this next part because this is a freight train coming down the tracks right here. If we let this piece of the puzzle free us, it will move us to, to joy and to gladness into to a longing that cannot be satisfied by anything that is on this earth. He says, you were dead because of your sins and because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ, for he forgave all our sins. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. He shamed shame. He shamed guilt. He said, condemnation does not play in my world. Man, how does that feel? If we let that in, if we let that kind of forgiveness, if we let that kind of grace, if we let that off of our chest, and the truth of the matter is, is that shame only lives where Christ has not been crowned King. Where in your life do you have shame? Where in your life do you have guilt and condemnation? Crown Jesus King, and it will die. It has been put to death on the cross. He continues as he is just speaking this truth. For the third time, he said, Christ is everything. And then he continues and he says in verse 16, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink, for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rulers are only shadows of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. Don't let anyone condemn you by insisting on pious self-denial or the worship of angels saying that they have had visions about these things their sinful minds have made them proud and they are not connected to Christ the head of the body for he holds the whole body together with its joints and ligaments and it grows as God nourishes it and Don't get caught up in the in the pet doctrines don't get caught up in, 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 the, in the visions and the angels and all of these little sideline things. Everything has to flow out of Christ. This is how we live a life of worship. God isn't interested in behavior modification and in showing up here. You know, he isn't interested in, in, in behavior modification with you not cursing anybody out this week. That's not what he's interested in. I would say he's probably far more interested in you being honest and authentic and then repenting. <laughs> that's what's in your heart. At least acknowledge it. Don't put on some air of self-control. <laughs> like, you know, if the Spirit is going to control you, then, then awesome. But, but don't try to hide the reality. Kill the reality of those fleshly desires. When I look at my kids and the things that they do, I go, "Yeah, that's that's the same thing that's in me, in me." All that stuff you want to own, yeah, it, it, yeah, that that that's in me too. All that all that possession, all that lust, it's in me too. Doesn't matter what it is—lust for more food or more alcohol or more porn—it doesn't matter. It, it it's right there. I got to wake up and let God. We're the same. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We're we're family. We got to let God. When uh, Renee and I got married, we really felt individually that, that God had spoken to both of us and wanted us to wait five years to have kids. About two and a half years into that, God said, "I want to be in control." I said, "God, we're, we're on this. We're on this path. This is your word. You know. Hey, five years." I just kept praying about it, and God convicted both me and my wife. You're not in control of this area. I'm in control of this area. And so we had to go to God's word, and we had to to ask ourselves what we believed. God, do I trust you enough to give you this piece of my life? God, do I believe that I have heard your word and that you're able to keep your word without my help? (laughs) Oh, we know what that feels like, don't we? So we gave it up. We found out that we were pregnant with our, with our firstborn one month before our five-year anniversary. We had her right in the middle of our fifth year of marriage. But here's the other piece of the puzzle is that we found out that we were pregnant with her on the day of my dad's second brain surgery, 10 days before he died. I can't time that out. I can't time out God giving my family the gift of here is the promise of life and here is joy and being able to share that with my daddy because more than anything else, I wanted my daddy to hold my kids. One day he will. Not in this life. I couldn't time that out. God's got a crazy sense of humor because all my kids are born in June. You can't time that stuff out within a few weeks of each other. You know, just like, God, you are hilarious. If I just get out of, out of your way and let you move in my life, you bring so much fun, so much adventure, and so much joy. And those times when it was tested, when, when three times we were persecuted, when Renee's job came to her and said, come back into the office full time or you're fired. And three times we put our feet to the fire and said, God has told us you may or may not be part of our future, but he is. We need the job. We need the money. The expiration date on our finances is very soon if we don't have this job. But God, and three times standing in faith, knowing exactly what God had called us to do, we let God, she still works for that company. <laughs> Amazing blessings, letting God, the celebration of, of him moving and breathing when we make him our all. And I can tell you a lot of the failure times that I didn't make him my all. And I got trapped in the addiction of what shows up on those screens in the middle of the night, trapped in the addiction of being defined by what other people think and say about me. Never again. Because those things were nailed to the cross. And in that, verse 20 says, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules? of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. Such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily discipline, discipline, but they provide no help in conquering a person's evil desires. They don't change our hearts. They cover up our brokenness. And if we're really authentic with ourselves, and if we really grasp onto God's word and say, hey, would I dare to believe this truth that Christ is all? Then I have no need to hide. Then I have no need to to cover up. I have no need to suffer in, in some obtuse way. Crying out to God to change my situation when really what he wants to do is change my heart and give me the strength to overcome it doesn 't matter if your husband does not love you the way you think he should. God is enough. let God let God give you wisdom. let God love you. Let God love him through you. There's many times I cry out in my life, God. I don't want my children to be sick. God, I don't want my I I, I want my life, my wife to love me better this way. In every single one of those tensions, God brings healing and wholeness and truth and life. If I'll let him. If I'll get out of his way. As we gather today, you know, we have we have a lot of opportunity because I, I don't know what the reason is that you showed up or what you, what you expected. I hope you got the good cup of coffee, and I hope you got to see some friends, and I hope you feel like you're the body of Christ. But I hope you know that when the, when the last chord uh, of the guitar strums, you know, or when the last amen is said, that, that freedom is still here. And God has called us to do more than show up to listen to some teaching. But he's called us to be real and authentic and to be the body and to care for one another. And wherever you are in that journey, maybe you showed up and said, you know what? I don't know if there is a Christ. I don't know if there is a God. Then I hope that you would would dare to say, I don't want to believe, but I want to believe. I hope you would dare to say, I have unbelief, but I want belief. I hope that you would dare to say in your addiction that that I'm not going to continue just with the 12 steps, that I'm going to continue with Christ. I hope that as you walk into the the marriage that your spouse is cheating on you, that you know that God is more than enough, that he can give you the strength and the peace and the joy. I hope that in that place of brokenness and struggle with with the children or, or in a workplace, that you can know that God is sufficient and that Christ is all and that you can put that needless suffering to death and take on his yoke which is light and easy and filled with joy will you let God will you let God walk you across this room to some person that is hurting and will you hold them Will you let God be the hands and feet as, you, as he wraps your arms around somebody and in God's mouthpiece as you pray for somebody and share your life and your love with them? Will you be the body? Will you let God? Because that's what I expect from you. Because that's what I need in my life and that's part of what God has called us to do. So as we gather I hope you know the doors are open early and the doors close late because we want to create space for you to celebrate and live in the body of Christ. Now, today, because if we don't do it here, you won't do it in your cubicle of a prison. If we don't do it here, then we won't do it, you know, at 3 a.m. when the kids won't go to sleep. If we don't do it here, then why are we here? We're here to proclaim Christ as all. You stand with me. We're going to sing a, a couple of songs. Our worship team is going to lead us. And if you need to go back to that prayer room and get on your face before God, then do it. If you need prayer, then, then take a hold of somebody's hand and say, pray for me and, and, and love me. I need you to be the hand of Christ, the voice of Christ, wherever you're at. Father, we're here for you today. We're here because of Christ. And Lord, we just we listen to the words of Paul. We listen to this cry for freedom. And we ask, Lord, by faith that you would glorify Christ in our minds and our hearts. That you would release us from bitterness and resentment. Lord, you give us the ability to forgive. That you would free us from anger. That today we would be whole. That we would be complete. Then you would heal us. That today would be a starting rebirth, renewal. That our roots would go deeper even now, Father. Have your way in Jesus' name. Amen.